Diamond Radio. I actually have an editor, <laughs> so I have to do that because he yells at me if I don't. How are you? How you been? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. Just dealing with, uh, you know, isolation and all the fun stuff. I've been in here for like six months. I haven't let... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They're not letting you out. They're not letting me out. I'm stuck <laughs> in this studio 24-7. I wish. Oh, I wish. <laughs> where is your studio? Where's your studio? Uh, you know where... Um, oh my God. That stadium? Sports Arena? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm I can go outside and spit at it if I wanted to. That's okay. how close I am. Don't do that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I'm right off of right off of if you if you take the five, you get off of uh Rosecrans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like right off there. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a spot called uh, Rock and Roll San Diego. I've I've been let me tell you, I've I've had a lot of studios and uh this is this is one studio that has so many like accommodations and it's so super, it's super nice, super secure. It's, it's, it's nice. awesome. It's nice. so cool. So cool. So cool. So where are you at? Are you in San Diego, LA? I'm in San Diego. Um, mm -hmm. I live over in Del Cerro, so I'm in my living room. <laughs> right oh. now. So with a dog sitting next to me, if I'm to be honest. So. Oh, what kind of dog? Oh, he's a mutt. You know, I, I found him on the side of the road. So he's kind of like a, he's an, a sleeping dog, but he's like a combination <laughs> of a terrier and a, schnauzer and a, well, I don't know, a poodle or something oh nice yeah i love i love dogs i'm a dog dude i mean i like cats too but um last dog i, I owned was a great dane oh was, nice yeah he him and i would wrestle i mean literally <laughs> wrestle like i would say headlock and throw him in a headlock and then he'd fight me off but then if i said hug he wouldn't fight me it was the funniest Aww. thing how old <laughs> how long did he live nine years nine yeah, years we had to put him down uh he had the look it was one of those moments, you know. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. yeah. I never, I never yeah. cried so hard. Yeah. The effects animals have on us. <laughs> oh, absolutely! They're a part of the family. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I, 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 I totally believe in that. Um, you know, they make you laugh. <laughs> Uh, sometimes they, they upset you, but yeah, they're part of the family, <laughs> you know, and I think during COVID they were a lot more people are getting a lot more animals too, because they have to be home, especially people who live alone, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I have a lot of friends who have adopted a dog or adopted <laughs> a cat or whatever. Yeah, no, they're, they're, it, I mean, they're great companions and, and you know, if you're by yourself, there's someone you can divulge all your secrets to, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> who are they going to tell the dog or the cat's like, hold on a second, Facebook. <laughs> we sort of have to strike an arrangement at my house because I have a cat and a dog, and they don't necessarily like the fact that they are sharing me with the other ones. So they sort of have these like, I can stay here and I can stay here and just don't look at me and we'll pretend the other one's not, you know, doesn't exist. So it's sort of like a little negotiation. <laughs> my favorite's when they actually get along and. And uh, the dog tries to play with the cat, and the cl the cat's like, "I'm not having it, dude." That's right. Don't touch like me. You're like three times my <laughs> size, and the dog's being like all playful, and the cat's like. <laughs> the cat will do that to me in the middle of the night if if she wants attention and I'm asleep. She'll she'll and I'll just I'll wake up and I'll have like a cut right here. She will Ooh. <laughs> yeah, oh man. So. Oh, 
Uh, have you, has, has the cat attacked your feet? No, she prefers my face. <laughs> she <laughs> prefers. <laughs> I, I had a, I, had, I don't even, I don't even know what kind of cat it was, honestly, but I was, uh, I was asleep and I get, you know, like you have your, your feet, right? And you have the covers. Yeah. So I moved my foot and caught the cat's attention apparently. And all of a sudden I just feel the claws and just the mouth and I wake up ah! and I just, <laughs> I, I, I had no idea what it was and I, I did a kick. And I hear him. <laughs> That's right. I was like, like, "Oh I my god!" To play. I wanted to play. I think it was clear. Oh, I, I don't know. That cat was out for blood. I was bleeding. It was crazy. That cat oh. sunk its teeth in me. It was. It was nuts. <laughs> totally nuts. Um, all right. So I got a million questions. Let me ask you one though. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so you're 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 into PR, right? Mm-hmm. What what led to that? Well, um, my degree's in theater, so uh-huh. I studied to be, you know, an actress, which is a really, you know, consistent job. Um, <laughs> so I, I got into arts administration right away in San Diego, and so I was working, um, I worked at the San Diego Performing Arts League, and then I worked at Lamb's Players Theater for many years. And I was performing sometimes, but I'll, but my main job at that theater company was um, marketing and PR. And, um, and group sales, everybody there did a little bit of everything. And, um, and towards the end of my time there, a lot of different organizations in town had come to me and asked if they could outsource the PR component of what I did, you know, for the arts as, um, and just sort of hire me to do just that, which I couldn't do when I was working um, full time there. But when I, when I was no longer there, it sort of became clear that the community had a need for that, you know, that enough organizations wanted to kind of line item PR and I decided that's what I would focus on. So for the past four years or so, five years, that's what I've been doing. And so it sort of took, you know, it grew out of the work that I did at Lambs Players and then I just sort of focused on that um, for a number of different arts organizations. So you're doing it freelance? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Class and Communications is the name of my company. It's, mm-hmm. I'm a sole proprietor and, um, and it's been fun because when you have multiple organizations that have some similar programming, sometimes you can very quickly sort of get a sense for, oh, well, this group is doing this and this group is doing this. And actually, if they did it together, it would it would, you know, save resources or or this person's looking for this kind of programming. Well, I know these two companies have it. You know, it's it sort of makes it easier to um, to collaborate and for me that, you know, that makes sense. That makes sense. <clears throat> Um, okay. So you've been doing that for four, you said four to five years. Yeah. Wow. Is it, are you super busy or do you, or do you have like a certain schedule? How do you, I'm curious how that works because like, you know, with musicians, there's no schedule other than, oh, we're playing this night at this time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, like, do you have like a daily schedule or do you kind of work when you need to or? Well, I have, you know, I'm lucky in that I was sort of a, I, I've been in the community for a lot of years, so I know a lot of the arts organizations and had because I had worked for um, the Performing Arts League, which was an umbrella organization for all the, the theater and dance companies, and then at Lamb's Players, which interacted with all the different theater companies. And so, um, so when I went out on my own, there were immediately a number of organizations that needed PR help. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them were, you know, every month. So it's like an annual contract. So I'm working a certain amount for them every month. So I have a number of clients like that. So that's sort of consistent, right? And then I have project clients. Sometimes like I'll get an independent film or something and it'll just be like a three month contract and then I'll slot that in. And then I I handle PR for the San Diego International Film Festival as well. And so that is, um, 
I have them 10 months out of the year, but there's definitely three months like leading up to the festival that are there half my time. So it's sort of mm. like, I just kind of have to look at my year and then say, well, where do I, where's my workload light? And then I can take on more clients and um, where do I have to pull back? And then, and then sort of juggle. Wow. <laughs> and when can, you know, and I perform <laughs> as well. So, so sort of then when am I able to perform that I, if I have a lighter, PR workload, then I could maybe do a play in there or a reading or something, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask you that next. Like if you, if you have time to do, um, that, I mean, you answered my question. Um, it, is, is it difficult to, to kind of like, you know, uh, throw that in there? You're like, Oh, I have a little bit of time. And then all of a sudden, like maybe a client or, or, a, an extra, you know, project shows up and do you ever, do you ever face that? Where you have yeah, to pick well, you one know, you you sort of have to decide um, what your availability is, you know. So you, uh, once I commit to something, I'm committed to it. So, mm. for instance, um, you know, I was asked to do a play. This is right before COVID, so it was supposed mm. to happen, you know, and then it got shut down. But I was asked to do a play, and it was during a time that was right before my work with the festival would amp up. So I had ongoing clients, but I didn't have. Um, you know, what I knew was my heaviest three months of the year. You know, I, I knew that I had, you know, if it went up in May and June, then I would be okay in time to gear up for the festival. And so, so then I commit to that time and then I know I'm not taking on any more PR clients cause I'm balancing that, you know, so it's a, it's a, okay. you just planning, you know, it's just, yeah. Balancing and planning. I'm terrible at that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Give, I'll do it. Yeah. I only have, you know, nine hours left of my year <laughs> <laughs> but you know sometimes that i, I don't know like uh, it's not like i'm i'm uh you know oh in this minute i'm going to be doing this and this it's i mean it does it, if when you're working for yourself you know this so your time is your own so if you've overcommitted, you know if you've got a lot to do provided you are committed to doing them right then mm. okay so you stay up a little later <laughs> or you get up a little earlier you I mean you get it done and then you learn sort of okay well <laughs> that was too much <laughs> or, <laughs> or I need more to do to concentrate on. You know? What kind of, what kind of plays do you like to do? Or is that even the right question? What kind of um, a theater actress are you? <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, for a long time, I wasn't, I, I have a daughter who's 19. So when she was younger, I wasn't doing as much. I did a lot before her. And then, um, and now that she's older, I'm, I've started doing more again, but there was sort of a, a lull time in there as well. And um, I think I usually get cast in as, as a comedian, like it's in, in, in comedies. Mm -hmm. I tend to get cast in that, but if I'm honest, I prefer dramatic roles. I, oh. That's my preference. So I, I'm, uh, and I was just about to do right when uh, COVID uh, started, I was about to start rehearsal for Good People up at Oceanside Theater Company, which would have been a lovely combination of uh, comedic and dramatic. And it takes place in South Boston and I'm from Boston. So all the characters, I very much felt like I understood and I was excited to explore them. But then everything uh -huh. shut down, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> so everybody sort of had to, and you know, and the thing about that too, with everything shutting down is that people had to, had to rediscover what creative looks like when you can't, you know, when you can't do it the way you want to do it, you have to try doing things differently, you know? Yeah. I had, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I had a, a, a theater, uh, actor I, I interviewed not too long ago. And, um, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about how, um, theater, unfortunately, uh, you know, they don't, a lot of people don't go to, to watch theater or plays, I should say, not theater. Um, 
plays or, or shows because um, it's it's kind of like you grew out of that custom because like back in the day we had no movie theaters we had no phones like you'd have to go watch a play in order to be entertained you know um, and I was saying like how uh, you know I, I did I did a, a live score when I was in high school I did three of them and that opened my eyes to wow I should do this like you know pe- periodically at least attend and yeah. and and that, one thing I asked this individual and I'm gonna ask you how hard is it to to just memorize three hours of of lines like I can't I mean as a musician I, I told the other individual like I, I have hundreds of songs memorized but they're you know one subject that's it the other subject you know what I mean it's a little yeah. different when when I was reading a script I'm like I, there's no way I could do this like well I, I think <laughs> I, I think it's 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 probably more similar than you think in that it's I mean it's storytelling right mm-hmm. and you tell a story with your music and your writing and and it's a story it might not be words that the story is telling but it's 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 it you know it you're probably following, I'm guessing, some sort of storyline in your mind when you're playing music, or it's it's yeah. making you feel a certain way, or it, you can hear it needs to go a certain way. And I think sometimes learning lines is the same way. I mean, it, is it harder the older you get? Does it get harder? Like when when I was a teenager, you just I would read a play a couple times and I and I knew it, you know. So yeah, the logistics of it is harder, but I think you're also not just learning one word following another word. You're learning a whole somebody's whole story right and you're yeah. and and it becomes i think more more natural that way but also you know a lot there's tricks like everybody has um you know i tend to i tend to attach um lines to locations you know like that helps mm. me tell the story like this part of the story is happening over here this part so i, I learn my lines but also then once i get on stage you're really sort of solidifying them to a spot on the stage and which is a lot of how the brain works right memorization works yeah. so wow that's cool that's wow i let's i'm gonna write that down <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah i i it's kind of weird because normally, like, um, I'm in front of someone and they can see what I'm doing, but I, I take notes. There you go. There you <laughs> go. It's not like I'm on the phone or anything. I just like I'm literally <laughs> taking notes. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, now, uh, okay, so you get cast as comedies. Is is it easier to to uh, to act with comedy versus drama or even suspense or horror? Or it just did. Well, it's just different. I don't know. Is it's easier? I think. Um, I mean, hum- I probably get cast in comedies because humor is a big part of who, I, like, what I gravitate towards in people. You know, and so that's probably how uh, people in the community, how I know people. You know, as we connect in humor, and yeah. so is it easier? It, I mean, it's humor is a lot about is in you know, a humor is often about timing. You know, so it's if you have the timing of the piece, then, then yes, the sort of they're built in there. The comedy is built in, but you also have to get that timing. I feel like drama has more like license to it, to, to, to change it and to change the um, timing of it, to find the drama. Whereas with some sorts of comedy, it sort of is built in there. Like the lines are sort of built to elevate in a way that bam, that it's going to be funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, I I tend to enjoy, I enjoy drama more, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you have to learn to, I mean, like, I'm not going to say I'm a funny guy, but I'm just going to say, like, I like humor. (laughs) And uh, do you you learn the timing or 
do you feel it? Because, like, for example, um, a buddy of mine, uh, and, well, and the producer, uh, shout out to the midget. Um, we we have like this really crazy like dark comedy. Like we roast each other all the time, yeah. and and when okay, so we we're very we're really well at doing it with each other. But once we're in a group, one of the individuals says something f funny. I laugh, she laughs, no one else laughs because the timing is, you know what I mean? It's kind of, and, and we're like, we don't care. Like, it's funny. But um, is that something that you learn or you feel? Like, is it something you learned in school Was is my question. You know, I think yes and yes, like to both okay. of those. Because, and there's a third thing at play there. Like, there's chemistry too, right? Chemistry yeah. and comedy in anything. Like you and your two buddies, you probably have this sort of unspoken thing too. You can probably just eyeball them and start laughing because, and I have yeah. definitely have people, a lot yeah. of people in my life like that. And I tend to be drawn to that as well. So that's part of comedy. And that's part of comedy on stage. You know, if you are working with those people who you can just look at them I have one friend and, and we've decided, I'm like, I can't do a play with you because if I'm on, like, <laughs> we laugh just looking at each other in real life, you know, I, 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 it would be hard to do that on stage. But, um, but then I think there are certain things I've done comedies before. And there's a director said to me, Frank Eric actually, and he said to me, it was a timing thing. And he, and I was working on a line and he said, say that quicker. And I was like, oh, no, but I, he's like, no, 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 say it too quick. Say it, you know, I, it, in the the role I was supposed to be about to faint. And I was supposed to say something like, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to faint. I'm going to faint now. But it was just a tiny thing. He's like, no, make it happen like immediately. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, I think I'm going to faint. I'm like, it had to just happen mid. And oh, I, I, see. Yeah. I didn't feel that. And I wouldn't have done it that way. And it wasn't what I was doing. He's like, just do it. Just do it. And mm -hmm. I did it. And it, it was that was it. That was what it was. So that's an example sort of of learned. Like that's what the yeah. director does is they, they, they see the timing that you're maybe missing. And part of it is your gut. And then part of it is the chemistry of the people you're with, you know, it, when you're, when you're performing live and you're, you're going to do the line, for example, like the director said, you know, do it faster. Right. But in the moment, based off of how things are going and the chemistry you have with everybody, have you ever faced where you don't follow those directions and you kind of just go with what feels natural with the environment? Sure. How well, bad, well, how bad do you get reprimanded for that? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think there's, there's always room for a little bit of like, depending on the piece too, you know, some right. bits, if it's like a bit and you've worked with the director to time the bit. So it's perfect. That's one thing, you know, I, I wouldn't want to mess with that with anybody's, you know, uh, vision or input on it. But, but then there's also that chemistry thing where it might, it might, something someone does might make you laugh more one night than another, or you might, they might hesitate and you might, it might catch you different. So if you're just, you know, saying the words the same way every night, well, that's not really acting, you know, half of acting is reacting, right? So if you're, yeah. if it's a little different, you're reacting a little different, hopefully, um, not stepping on directorial advice. I mean, I really respect that process and theater is fluid. You know, it's not film. It's not, okay. That's the cut. It, that's not how it works. You know, so yeah. Film's Have you different. Have you done film acting? A little bit, you know, um, actually during COVID, 
uh, we came across this play at one of the company at Scripps Ranch Theater and Oceanside Theater Company, um, this play called Donna Orbits the Moon. And it was a one woman show um, with uh, with a second uh, one woman, but then a voiceover as well of a, of a friend of mine. And um, uh, Eric Popick had done it up in um, Oregon. And he he said, oh, you guys should check this out. And and it was a beautiful play, really beautiful play. And we filmed it instead because of COVID restrictions. We filmed it here on this couch, actually, <laughs> here and in my bedroom. And so it was just the director, Candace Crystal, and masked up, and then Ted Live, the videographer and editor, and myself. You know, they're masked, and I was far away from them. This was towards the beginning of COVID. And yeah. then um, we edited it and streamed it for both theater companies because we wanted to wow. provide something. And that's what we were you know, that's what we could safely share. That's the story we could safely share. So. Are they are, are they planning on doing any, and you know, like everything's online now and streaming and Zooming. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, even here we, we you know, they do um, live streaming with like uh, performances. Yeah. Are, are they going to start doing that with theaters? Well, you know, there, it, it doesn't make sense yet. You know, there's, it's all so it's all fluid like it's I'm actually part of um, the theater alliance I don't know if you've heard about this but Mm -hmm. it's a wing of the San Diego Performing Arts League and it started by sort of at the beginning of COVID all the artistic directors in town getting together just sort of a check-in how you doing how's it and then it grew from there and now we have you know regular meetings of all the theater companies in town about issues that are addressing you know, the theater community. And, and we have round tables every month on, you know, our last one was on um, anti-racism and allyship in theater, you know, and we have all different size theater companies presenting how they're responding to, you know, conversations that are happening and should be happening right now and how, what's theater's role in that. Anyways, all that to say the conversation of streaming and what's safe and what's not safe is really being um, approached as a community, I think, I mean, everybody has their plan and their, but we're all talking and I don't think anybody wants to, you don't want to do something that's going to make people feel unsafe or that you're not respecting rules. Right. I mean, we were, we were supposed to, um, I was actually supposed to be in a live stream production of a Christmas Carol, um, in December and we canceled because it was just when we had gone into a higher tier and when we planned it, it would have been, I mean, we were going to be very careful about everything. Everybody was going to be six feet apart. It was going to be streamed, filmed and um, taking all the precautions that were required. But at a certain point, it was like, how important is it that we do this if it's making anybody uncomfortable right now? Like, I mean, as the COVID restrictions were changing, you know, we said we'd rather just, rather hold out until it makes sense you know and yeah. so so yeah i think at some point but i don't think it's right now when things are skyrocketing out there yeah no that makes sense i, I you know i asked because i mean you know they they do live streaming here it's it's a band and you know the crew working yeah doing the film group you know the film and the lighting you know everyone's you know separate but um you know i i just i just uh got well I'm getting certified, but I just passed my test for a COVID compliance officer to, oh, to, great. to be on set. So I don't know. Do you, do you think that's something that would help you guys to have, you know, like if you guys did do live theater, because, because I mean, people are filming, yeah. you know, like yeah. I just, sh- I just shot a documentary in, in January and because in, you know, this year they're, they're, they're requiring set, all, all sets to have COVID compliance officer, which, uh, yeah. you know, Alan Brockington. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's my he's he's my COVID compliance officer. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Alan, I need you to take my temperature. Max, <laughs> pull your pants up. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but uh, is there is that like an option to to have something like that with you know? I, I would imagine. I would imagine so. The the you know you should actually sit in on one of these meetings. It'd be interesting to hear. I, the- I would love to actually. Yeah. That'd be. I'll send great. you. To, there's one this week. I'll I'll send you a link to it. And um, okay. Yeah, I think it's all sort of going to develop in that direction where everybody wants to have, you know, something that where is is following state guidelines, but is also respecting their audience and and theater audiences are are older audiences, you know, and that yeah. and and I mean streaming versus in person, those are two different conversations, anyways. But um, but they are kind of interwoven in that we're asking our audience, which is historically older, to then switch to a technologically based option for enjoying theater which is asking a lot of an audience too right so everybody's having to kind of have this learning curve um yeah but i i think very early on i sort of uh felt about theater and about you know because the everybody's artists first responses were this isn't the same this isn't the same this isn't theater it's not the same and so you know and then the negative that's associated with that but but the reality is i i mean for me is i think you kind of have to say no it's not the same it's not the same and and like what's next right you can't like say how can we make this experience be live theater because it's not <laughs> you know what i mean but you can yeah. ex- explore different things and different ways of telling stories and touching your community you know well you know what i uh, it's kind of tough because i the way i view it, it's like we've been in this for how long it's like it it, it is what it is we just got to enjoy what we have because you never know what's going to happen and i don't know maybe going into the angle that you could treat it like saturday night live where you know it it is live (laughs) so you will see them make mistakes which or play out a character you know and and the audience will you know and they can still in you know interact and engage you know through chatting or you know i i know it's different but it's 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 an option versus nothing Right. Yeah. And, and we did actually, you know, I should backtrack about streaming. We did do some streaming. I'm sort of like looking at it from today's date, but we did do some live streaming from the stage um, uh, at Oceanside Theater Company and mm-hmm. followed all the guidelines that were in place at that time. You know, we had a band, we did, we live streamed a band and singers and then we, and, and yeah, I can see us doing stuff like that again. We got film equipment, um, for at Scripps Ranch Theater that's used by both Oceanside and Scripps Ranch and use that to film, you know, Donna Orbit's the Moon and other ones eventually. Um, it's just that right now it's so elevated that I, I'm, you know, we're no, we're not doing any live streaming right now, but I, I could see us doing it again once things, you know. It, yeah, no, that. no, I, 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 meant, I meant towards like the audience, the, you know, the older crowds are like, oh, you know, I'll just wait until it goes back to live. Well, what if it doesn't for like three years? Yeah. Why don't yeah. you just enjoy kind of kind of like, okay, like, for example, normally I have you sitting in front of me where I could throw a pencil at you, you know, <laughs> but now, you know, we're doing the Zoom thing and and <clears throat> um, you could still throw a pencil like at the at the camera and it would come like at me. Yeah, try. <laughs> Go. See? See? Just like him right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, my only complaint uh oh. My computers. I when I threw that it hit something and ejected my hard drive. No. Oh boy. Did it really? 
Actually, okay, so just so you kind of understand my setup, I have a hub in front of me. Okay. And what happened was um, there's buttons on top, so my pen hit the button and turned off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that really just Sorry. happened. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it was worth it. I'm like... It was worth it. <laughs> um, what was they saying? <laughs> oh, you, people oh, yeah, yeah. If you couldn't go back to theater for three years. Yeah, yeah. No, so, so like for example, uh, you know, I have I have this place set up for a live podcast. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I even had uh, the one of my one of my coworkers, old coworkers, set up the lighting for me. Nice, right? nice. And uh, I just ruined my own camera. <laughs> Let me just fix that. I like showing off the studio. Anyways, um, and then uh, we got back into a lockdown. I'm like, yes, I yeah. You know, so I said, you know what? I'm just gonna zoom. Like, like I'd rather have the shows to continue and have content mm -hmm. than you know sitting doing this. You know, and I uh, think there's a lot of that happening with people where it's like, well, you know, <clears throat> I've got to, I've got to pivot. Right. Which yeah. ultimately, you know, not like you have to find lemonade with everything. However, like pivoting and learning how to pivot is something that's going to serve people always. Right. Yeah. And the fact that, no, you can't do what you want, how you want to, but you can still do <laughs> and you can still, you know, do you remember what it was like the first couple of times we did like uh, any if you did any like Zoom presentations and you've got audience members like trying to figure out. Their, <laughs> you know? and, yeah, and, like that's changed. Right. So yeah. that learning curve has happened and and there's nobody doing that anymore or, or figuring out how to keep Zoom bombers from coming into like all that sort of growth period. I mean, it's happened. And, and that's something that we as performers, as podcasters, as audience members like have grown into in the past nine months so <laughs> i have a story for you i actually yeah. had i had one of those what'd you call them zoom bomber yeah the one that would come <laughs> in and start doing you know whatever they're doing yeah. um you know they 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 walked into at the wrong zoom channel at the wrong time it's like <laughs> when they when they showed up i was like oh fuck yeah and i was like hi how's it going and I, I just i just i put them on the spot and i kept like oh what are you gonna show me yeah. Okay. What else? Uh huh. I'm, oh, hold on. Let me record this. Hold on. And the person was like, and just left. You know, I don't know what they were trying to do. It was the funniest. Thing. It's kind of like when I get those prank calls. Right. Normally, everyone's you know goes send the voicemail. I'm like, no. Hello. Hello. Can I help you? Yes. Hello. You know, like I love messing with them. So yeah, when I, I when mean, I heard about that, I was like, oh, please come into my Zoom. Yeah, come into my room. Let me play with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me play with you. I totally welcome that. That's excellent. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, one thing I learned, uh, it, you know, um, people that do uh, acting or, or uh, music or, you know, uh, film acting. Uh, they do. They have other talents. Uh, did you not? Do you like sing? Do you write anything? Is there anything else that you do other than dramatic acting? <laughs> I've done. I've done a lot of voiceover over the years. So that's something I did a lot in my twenties and thirties, and and now and and there's some coming back to, and also some. Um, like I'll do readings of things. Like I have. Okay, you're about to get joined by another animal here. I see a cat entering the picture, so yeah, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> but um, I got a but, I got a pet named Alf. <laughs> there we go. Um, but also, you know, there's a some of my clients, my PR clients, are also 
clients that I perform for or with, and they do a variety of different things like Write Out Loud, which is a organization with a mission to like sort of uh, tell stories out loud in all different programming around the city. And so they're doing um, a thing coming up here in the next, I'm going to get the name of it for you. Ooh, that's um, awesome. It's called the, um, mm, 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 the Decameron Project. And this it's a, a project where they ask people to submit um, uh, stories about what happened, about like COVID experiences and San Diego writers to submit that. And I think then, I have heard of, yeah. Yeah, and then a and then hundred of them are going to be showcased on websites and stuff around town. And then 10 of them are going to be performed. So I'll be performing one of the top 10 of those. So I do readings like that as well. And the voiceover stuff has been, you know, I, I used to did a, a weasel with attention deficit disorder was the role <laughs> that I played actually. Can, can, can you do it real quick? I got to hear this. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I think we better go to the, you know, it was very, <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of a thing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So, but, but a lot, yes. I mean, everybody who is a, a performer usually has some kind of, you know, vocal variety, fun thing they do. I sing not, I mean, I sang as that character. I wouldn't, you wouldn't want to like hire me to be your, uh, you wouldn't want to pay to listen to me sing unless it was a character voice that was just, Can we get know. a contract uh, for one night for her to sing? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> just, I don't care. Whatever the money is. That's right. <laughs> we'll get figure her. it out. <laughs> Although I'm a little obsessed with the, um, the King George song from Hamilton. Really? Yes. Yeah. I want to perform that. It's a man's role and I don't <laughs> sing, but I still want to perform it. So, would, but you mean like sing with your natural voice or would you do like a voiceover? I don't know. I, I'll figure it out. I'll <laughs> <laughs> so. so voiceover. So I, do you like, do, do you have multiple characters you do or just like, you know, whatever comes to mind or whatever? Well, whatever, whatever they're, they're hiring you for, you know? So sometimes it's, okay. it's just, you know, a, a regular commercial sort of, you know, a, a regular commercial selling something and you're just the VO for it. And then sometimes it's a character and they want, you know, I've done some video game stuff where you're suddenly playing a, a little kid or you're playing a, a frog or <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of whatever they have and then they'll direct you, no, higher pitch or lower pitch or no, now I just want, um, I just want your voice or I want a dialect or, or I did, you know, another thing actually I did last summer, which was super fun and I had never done before was um, I was hired for Comic-Con and it was for um, for the week, and it was Amazon Prime's. Uh, they had this big. They took over a whole street corner down during Comic Con, and they were showcasing three of their new shows. And one of them was Carnival Row, and so mm -hmm. they did like a improvisational interactive thing with actors, where all the Comic Con people would come in, and then they would experience this like semi scripted semi-unscripted experience for Amazon Prime, which was so cool. That was really fun. It was a, um, so all British characters and, and fairies. And I was a cop, I was a British Bobby. But, but that was, <laughs> but that was only in the moment. It wasn't like, they didn't film it. They did actually, they, they filmed it for promotional stuff. I can send you that if you want to see it. I, I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they so it was it was sort of a, a live you know experience so all the, the attendees of Comic Con but so yeah I think actors have a variety of stuff they end up doing because you know something like gig like that comes into town and they they suddenly need a bunch of actors and you know. the, and, and I'm sorry I don't know if you answered if you answered this already but you did voice <laughs> oh, sorry that's me <laughs> almost dropping something 
<laughs> All right, I won't ask. I'm sorry. Um, did you you did voice acting before or after theater acting? I it, at the same time actually. Okay, okay. You know, because I, I went to school for theater and then I moved to LA, and then I came down to San Diego pretty quickly, and then I've been here doing theater acting and and started voiceover pretty soon after that. And I used to do sort of the, you know, on air campaigns. You know, KPBS when they're like fundraising mm-hmm. and they have on air. People. Yeah. So I do that too, which is another kind of, it's all, it's all acting in, in one way or another. So why'd you leave LA so quick? I think I was, um, honestly, I, I think I, I wasn't mature enough yet or wasn't, I mean, I was, I just graduated college and moved 3000 miles cross country and was living in LA. I think it was a lot, honestly, for, I was maybe 23 or something. And, mm-hmm. um, and my mom was down here at the time. And so she was sending me all of this theater stuff from San Diego. She's like, there's a lot of theater down here, honey. There's a lot, you know, and I came down and there was, and there's a, and it is, and I've been here ever since. So um, I go up there now for stuff, you know, and I have work that's, I sometimes do up there, but yeah, I think that would be my reason. It was just a big, I was young, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm actually happy I left. (laughs) That's why I ask. (laughs) How long? How long were you up there for? Oh, uh, like majority of my life. Oh, really? Uh, at okay. this point, at this point, but uh, you know, I, I, ironically, I left. I, I've been trying to leave California, you know, to do other things, and I left. Then I came back because I had, uh, I had an opportunity to have a, a, a I had a, a record contract oh, with cool. with a band that I had here. Um, yeah, someone got a hold of our demo and I said, you know what, I'm out. And I went to New York and my singer was like, hey, man, uh, you should come back. So <laughs> a year and a half later, I came back and I've been here since. But, um, you know, coming to San Diego and, and seeing the opportunities here uh, really, um, what's the word? It opened up my eyes and, and, and made me realize, you know, there's a lot more than just L.A., you know. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think I think that was part of it, too, on that, you know, when you graduate from college with theater degree anyways, it's sort of like at that time, I thought, oh, you go to New York or you go to Los Angeles, which is not yeah. accurate. There's beautiful theater communities all over the country. And but I think just sort of the a younger perspective at the time was that was where you should go. And so um, so I did. But you can find, you know, in your industry, too, you know, you can you can find communities in lots of places. That's true. You know, I I, I, I spoke with um, uh, an individual that moved from oh, where's she from Milwaukee? I don't remember. And um, she, you know, she moved to L.A. to make it as a singer. <laughs> and I said, you know, I think I'm not saying you should leave L.A., but I'm saying you would have a better chance making it in a in a place that's not so pop, you know, heavily populated with the yeah. entertainment industry. And then she was like. I think you're right. And she, I'm sorry she listened, but she listened to me, left, and she's, uh, you know, starting to grow, which yeah. was, you know, luckily it was uh, good advice I gave. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, she, she found a place that was a comfortable place for her to be. You know, that's part of yeah. it. Too. Yeah. No, I, I, I just, because I, I learned from, you know, because I read, you know, uh, biographies of uh, musicians and, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of them don't. They don't make it in L.A. They don't. Or New York or Florida, you know, like the major, you know, they, they're from small towns. No one hears about, you know, and that's 
and I was like, you know, I think that's that's the the trick. So going to a small town and blowing up there, and you'll get noticed. And it it worked for some, you know. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think um, I think for a lot of artists, I mean, you, your craft is is it's about learning. It's not like suddenly you go to school and you graduate and you've learned everything you need to know about being a musician or you've learned everything you need to know about being an actor. That's the rest of your life, you know, having experiences and classes and performances to learn that. And, um, and you can do that anywhere, you know, and I, I think there is that sort of, I, I think, I think that's with maturity, that's something that you learn, you know, or maybe you're taught like the, the business of the business of being an artist, which is, I think was not as focused on when, um, when I was in college, but hopefully is now where, okay, now I have this degree. Like, how do I, how yeah. do I keep going? You know? Yeah. And yeah, instead of like, cool, you learned everything, go figure it out. It's right, like, why don't you right. give give me some sort of lead or yes, yeah. or you know, I, I you know, they I, I feel like that is something they should they should train you on how to you know, um, you know how to get your feet wet, how to yeah. you know what I mean. Instead of like, cool, you learned everything, go figure it out, you yeah. know, um, yeah. But, that's, but but San Diego is great for. Um, you know, for theater and stuff, I think it's, it's, it is very much a community, you know, as far as once you know a certain amount of people, you sort of know a lot of the stuff that's going on in town and, and who to ask if you want to be involved in something. And, and it's a very welcoming community too, I think. Like oh when yeah, absolutely. When there's new people here, I mean, I, I very much want to meet new people and say, yeah, oh yes, you would, you would be a great asset for this organization. I like, I, I want to see that happening. And I've, and especially working with Theater Alliance. I'm one of the ambassadors with them now. And the, and I'm really seeing a lot of that with all different size theater companies in town, all sort of just wanting to support the efforts of each other. And that's, uh, that's nice to see. Nice to yeah, see. I have to say it is true. Um, um, well, my when, when coming to San Diego has been, uh, you know, meeting individuals. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure, you know, and just, just getting to know everybody in their, you know, oh, this is so and so. This is, you know, they can do this. They, you know, or the networking is is crazy here. It's not like L.A. where, hey, how's it going? Oh, uh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. You know, like that's really that's it's still like that. You know, and out here it's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And and like people want to talk to you. It's it's yeah. it's it's it's. it's yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's very a very tight community and it's yeah. it's nice. Yes, it and not tight in a way that is exclusive. I don't think. I think it's in a, in oh, a no, supportive way. And also yeah. a, a community that you know, with with a lot of the activities of or, or the things that have happened this last year with George Floyd and yeah. sort of the racial coming to coming to be finally be addressed, sort of or start to or whatever you know that that's been happening it's been good to see that in the theater community as well, because you see it's, it's, there are people who have been hurt. There are people within our own community, experiences that have happened. And as a community, people are really listening to, and you're seeing people enact um, change. Like even in the, in the nine months of since COVID, I'm seeing, because you're having sort of, this is a little bit of a change of subject, but because you're, because we're all on zoom, right. It's, giving us an opportunity to connect with people that we might not connect with on the regular. Do you know what I mean? As a theater community, I might not see the heads of 40 different theater companies 
every week or every couple of weeks or something. I might bump into them individually and then a couple of events in a year, I'll see them all or whatever, but we're seeing each other on the regular. And so when something like, um, something like Black Lives Matter is taking place and the conversations are taking place both on a, a large level and on a small level within our personal communities, within our work communities, with suddenly you have a weekly face-to-face -face with all the people who are the leaders in your community, which means you have these opportunities for bigger conversations to take place and then and and to hear people's experiences. You know, some that I might, as a as a white woman who's lived here for 20 something years, I might not have experienced or even knew were taking place, right? But you get to hear them. And then you have the people who are in decision-making positions, hearing them and conversations starting and people getting angry and then people not getting it, like it, it's happening. And um, that's all circling back to it being a community that is, that supports itself, you know? It isn't, per it, it, a community that isn't perfect, but it is, still listening you know what i mean and that yeah. that has meant a lot to me you know this might be a bold statement but it is something that i've thought about throughout the past few months um as as tragic as a lot of things has happened do you feel like everything that has happened with the pandemic um you know politics i'm gonna leave it at that and um yeah i know <laughs> and uh you know <coughs> quarantine and you know, everything that's happening do you think or what's your opinion? Do you feel like us being forced to be in this situation has actually, I guess the right word is humanized us because we're not so busy looking at the black mirror. We're actually engaging with each other. Like you just said, every week you're meeting with people that you would see a few times a, a year. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, do you think it's kind of a blessing or, you know, in a way, yeah, I hate to use that word only because like so many people are so devastated right yeah. now and I recognize how lucky I am and that I haven't been ill and I have been able to get by, you know, and I'm, I'm not worrying about next meal. And, and um, so inclusive of that, like there's so much horrible, people are experiencing so many horrible things. And yes, I think some good things are going to come out of it. I, I think, um, I was just talking to somebody about this this morning that we sort of get into this fast pace of life, which is, you know, and, and we normalize behaviors and normalize expectations that I don't think are necessarily good for us or not good for me. I can only speak for myself. You know, I, you asked about me, my client load and how I balance things. And, and in hindsight, like sometimes you're just doing a really, a lot of things if you want to be responsible to all the things that you've taken on as responsibilities and I'm a parent and I'm, you know, then you're, you're kind of up, you can operate in this high level of getting things done sometimes, which doesn't leave room for, um, other kinds of growth, I think. And, and I think the pandemic for somebody like me, and this is coming from a position of the privilege of being able to enjoy some downtime, um, it has allowed me to sort of go, oh, okay, yeah, this is important. My health is important. The fact that I was sleeping, you know, four hours a night, that's probably not, wasn't a good thing, <laughs> you know? Like there's, there's, it, it's given time to pause um, on, on what you've normalized in your life, but also on connection. I mean, my whole business, class and communications, the PR component of what I do, I always, it, my sort of tagline is connecting the, connecting the community which I am all about connection and how people can serve each other. But uh, being really busy 
and going from one thing to another can be a very disconnected way to live as well. And I think people are, are connecting in other ways. I have, I'm on a zoom call with my family. I'm very close with my family, but not logistically. I've got Florida and Washington state. And so now since the pandemic started, we've had a family zoom every Sunday morning. And it's like my favorite hour and a half of the week <laughs> with my siblings and my nieces and my nephews and my parents. And, and I'm like, it's not like zoom just suddenly was created during the pandemic. Right. Why yeah. haven't we been doing this for the past 10 years? This is amazing. You know? So I think, yes, I think there will be some things that come out of it that will be good. A recognition of what's really important in your life, how you want to spend your time, how you don't want to spend your time. I hope, I mean, I hope for that. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I had a an inter, an interview where um, you know this individual ha- has a business and um, <clears throat> they um, you know they felt the crunch but they said you know it's not about me uh, what can I do for the community and and that kind of made me realize even though some people are okay th- a lot of people that are okay take the initiative to help those that aren't and I've been noticing that a lot <coughs> and and I think. You know, I, as tragic as a lot of this stuff has has been, it, it I like again. I think it's it's in a way it's humanizing us, except for the little politics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's like you know, like you were saying. You know, understanding what you spend your time on. Like I, you know, in the beginning, I was kicking and screaming, like ah, I gotta go driving. I I would I would literally drive because I was I was so um not used to being put because you know i'm i'm here i'm over there i'm in la i'm here you know whatever and i'm kind of used to it and it's nice and it made me realize you need to chill out and you know it's, it's slow down you know and and i think it's a great thing and and um you know uh it's unfortunate like you mentioned like how come we haven't been doing zoom this whole time yeah. it's unfortunate yeah. that it takes a tragedy to learn something as beneficial as zoom you know Yep. You know, and, and, and yeah, I think we all had those experiences where oh, I'm doing this because this happened or, you know. Right. And, and also <clears throat> the feeling like you need to or not need to want to um, because we're, like we're experiencing this collective cultural shift and 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 struggle like you want to be connecting to the people who you're concerned about. Right. Like the yeah. people in your life who might be. And so I do find myself connecting more to. Like I'm, 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 believe it or not, for for a PR person, I'm not on the phone. Prior to COVID, I wasn't on the phone all that much. You know, a lot of what I did was behind my computer, and so it, it wasn't, you know, chatting with people on the phone all the time. I'm on the phone more now, but it's it's quite lovely. Like I've, I have this, and I'm, I, I have regular walking times with the, you know, the closest friends in my life, mm-hmm. so we can safely be together, you know, catch up, be outside, do our, you know. And I think there's a lot more of that kind of connection happening for me and for a lot of people I know, because you're, you're, you want to make sure everybody's okay. You know, the people you love are okay. And so you can kind of get caught in normal life in that, like what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And, and, and the important relationships can be like, Oh, they're fine. They're fine. And what's next, you know, I, so yeah, that, that's one of my hopeful takeaways. (laughs) (laughs) Do, Do you think, um, you know, eventually you'll kind of go back to that old, I'm going to say habit, but that old um, routine. 
this is exactly the conversation I was having with one of my friends this morning. No, I don't think I will. I mean, I, I think um, I think I've I had already hit a shift where I mean, there was a few years where I was just doing mostly PR work because I was building my business right, and I was and I needed to to get it you know, to a, a level that I, that could sustain me and my family. And, um, and so it was harder to do other projects that might bring me a different kind of enjoyment or a different kind of experience or step back from that kind of workload. And, um, and I had already sort of decided, oh, you know, if I lose a client here or if, or if this project ends, I'm not going to fill it. I'm going to leave that spot open and I'm going to look for more artistic opportunities that, and, and they'd been happening, you know, they'd been. Mm -hmm. So I think when it, when things are back to normal, you know, I'll still have to make a living and I still am. And I think I have sort of more, a, a, a little bit of a mental shift of it doesn't have, you don't always have to be doing, you know, you can be enjoying your family. I mean, my daughter's goes to SDSU, but she's home. She's, you know, she's remote learning. And so, you know, we, we always connected anyways, but, but I, I've had a chance to have more of that and I want more of that, you know? And so, and same with friends, like that whole walking with friends on the, every, you know, every, I have different days of the week that I see different people outside walking around. Will I still do as much of that? Pro well, probably not. Well, I'll have more, I'll have more events that I need to be at at night that I don't have now, but yeah, I hope I keep that kind of connection with the people that I care about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I'm hoping that, that, you know, especially I'm speaking for myself, um, that I don't go back to, being busy <laughs> you know what I mean? even though I'm, I'm still busy but it's kind of like you know it's 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 very relaxing right now i'm not gonna lie it's yeah it's, it's different it's it's kind of like life pulled the e-brake on me again it's like okay dude you know slow down uh, slow down slow down and well, enjoy the moment you know i you kind of see examples of that like in a macrocosm but then in a microcosm as well and i use my daughter by way of example because she can get very buried in school which is you know what you you know it happens in college and and <clears throat> she had a full semester that was really busy and she was working a lot on schoolwork and then we just had she just had this month off and she didn't have a job because covid and so she was home with a month off and no school and I just was kind of like, what's this going to look like, you oh, know, man. and right. And I just watched and suddenly she's playing piano and she's figuring out songs and she doesn't play piano in a while. And then she's writing and then she's um, knitting. And then all these sort of artistic things that she's done before. But when she's buried in school, she's not exploring as much. She's exploring. She's exploring her music. She's exploring her writing. And and so she's sort of this microcosm of, well, yeah, that's what happens when you, that's when they always say that's when creativity is at its best is when your brain gets bored, you know, your brain gets bored and, and it starts working in different ways. Okay. Well, I don't think we, we give ourselves enough time for our brains to get bored anymore. And it makes me sound like a 90 year old. It's like, we don't have any time to think about those exciting things like swinging on a swing. But, but it's true, right? That's, that's sort of how it used to be. You'd have a lot of free time and then you'd figure out, you know, you'd figure out interesting things to do. Anyways, I see that with my daughter and I see it with myself. You know, I see it with myself having that downtime. So I think ultimately allowing yourself to not be doing actually 
gets you to a more creative place for someone like you, who's a creative or myself, you know, that that's actually a good place to be. Oh yeah. It's, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. What do I do next? Oh, (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) Random question. When was the last time you were actually on a swing? Oh, let's see. I can't remember. So that must be a long time. Um, Oh no, there's okay. There's, I, I live down the street from Hearst elementary school. And there's there, there's swings in the kindergarten area, which is usually locked up. But every once in a while, somebody doesn't lock it up. And I always check. And then if it's unlocked, then I sneak in. And there's swings in there. And so <laughs> so that was probably within the last few months or so. Now they're, they're never going to leave it open anymore. Be like I know. Crazy after lady the, in the after neighborhood they hear this. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was going to tell Ludi, edit this out, but he's not here. <laughs> I'm so used to be like, hey, can you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, do you play any instruments? I didn't ask you that. Other I than do. singing, oh. I think, I, but it's been it's been a long time. Although I pulled I've pulled it out during COVID is violin. So I used to play violin. My, when my I, eyes just lit up. You used to play violin. <laughs> I didn't say violin well. I just said violin. But I played from like seven to fourteen, and then I sort of got pretty buried in theater and I let violin go but it's still you know when you play an instrument that young where it's sort of it's in there and I and when my daughter started playing stuff I was like hey can I pull out the violin and kind of try to she's like sure and so then I'd try to just play along with her or whatever and it was it my fingers remembered or my brain or my whatever remembered stuff and so so I'll hopefully do some more of that too when was the last time you played it It, years. I mean, it'd been years. I, I think, all right. I played till I was 14. Then I hardly played it all. Then I played at my, like my grandmother's funeral when I was maybe in my mid twenties. And then oh, man. I, I have really haven't since then. Oh so. God. Next question. I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I was going to, I mean, it's violin. It'll take time. I was going to say, you know, when she just go grab it and give us a little show really quick. Oh so. my gosh. You don't want that. I would love that. <laughs> But you have to tune it. And... It's out of tune right now. I'm sure it's just it would take too long to tune mm. it. Mm. Yes, yes. <laughs> any any other instruments or? I can play a couple songs on the piano. I can play a couple songs on the guitar. I can I can make a flute. Make a sorry. There's a bug that's visiting me. Um, <laughs> it um, wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> I have a flute that I can make sound come out of, but I wouldn't say really play it. But I can play a few songs on guitar on the piano. Uh, just to let the record show, she probably shreds on guitar and piano. <laughs> no. She's like, no, I play no, a little. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you, you said your website is um, Clausen Communications? I don't have a website, actually. You don't? I, oh, okay. No, Clausen Communications is my company. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn and everything, but I <clears> I, 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 I have had multiple people ask me that. Why don't you have a website? because like, I have more work than I know what to do with right now. <laughs> I don't have the time to build a website. To, at the, so I haven't needed, for promotional reasons, I haven't needed it. Mm. Um, so maybe that's a lazy man's way out. But I, I had been, since I, since I started um, Classing Communications, I've been busy, which I'm super grateful for. And um, so I haven't done that. But eventually, you know. Well, I mean, you're on social media, so it's, it's, yes. it works. Yes. yes. It works. Right, do you have a Twitter account? <laughs> Pardon? Do you have a Twitter account? I don't. Well, I do, but I don't really use it. I have a, a random question. It's that's I was curious because 
everyone has a Twitter account. <laughs> yes, I do have one, but I, I don't really use it very much. I have an Instagram account, I have a Facebook account, and um, those are the two I mostly use. So you do, do you do most of your marketing through uh, social media or just marketing networking? for myself or marketing yeah, for, for yourself for myself? Yeah. That's mostly honestly word of mouth. Like I, mm. most of the jobs that I have, for instance, when I, when I first, um, started my own, uh, company, I did, uh, uh, some project work for Signet theater. They were building their, um, <coughs> they were building their group sales department and, and they said, can you, can you build it? Just build it out for us. And, and, and so I did that. And, um, that was just sort of towards the very beginning of when I started. And, um, then, um, the San Diego international film festival went to them and said, we're looking for a PR person. And they're like, Oh, Susan just started her own thing. She's been doing PR for years and she can help you. And she does a multiple, you know, other things. And wow. so that's how I got that job. And then in a number of things have happened that way. Like the first, the, when I first started my own business, I got a call from, um, from a newspaper person who all my newspaper contacts knew that I was going out on my own. And so one of them called me and was like, Hey, you're, you're out on your own now, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, I have a client for you. <laughs> I was like, great. It was like a week after I left, you know, I left Lambs. And, um, so then I got my first job that way. Then someone on that board of directors was like, Oh, what you just did here, what you just, you know, the promotion and the getting the people here, what you just did here, I want you to do it here at this organization. So it's very much, you know, the, the community becomes smaller in nonprofit and in, you know, in theater and then film. And then, you know, Joey, I work with Joey Travolta as well. And I met him through the San Diego International Film Festival. He brought um, one of his films to the festival and, and I had some news hits, some television news hits. And I was like, do you think Joey would do them? They said, well, here, and they connected the two of us. And we worked together all during the festival. And, you know, he's very East Coast. You know, he, we've got the same sense of humor. You're, you're oh. Type of, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we got along very well. And at the end of it, he was like, we should we should keep working together. I'm like, yeah, we totally should. And then we that, that week he called. He's like, OK, I got this thing. <laughs> you know, So <laughs> my business has been very organic in that way. And I. I do truly feel like, um, like I, I, every every organization or person doesn't need the same thing done for them in a PR right. capacity. Uh, organizations have different things they're already handling themselves that they uh, that I might do for one organization, but I won't for another because they've already got it covered. So yeah. I really believe like you don't want to just sort of come in and say, "I do this," and I'm gonna put this on top of your organization. It's more about meeting people and seeing what they need and seeing if you're a fit and sometimes and being comfortable to say, I'm not a fit. And I've, I've done a lot of that. Actually, people will come to me and they'll say, Oh, we, we want to hire you to do what you do. And I'm like, you know, you don't want to hire me yet. Yet. You know, you want to hire a development person. You want to fundraise. That's what your organization needs. Right. And, and so that sort of having that kind of organic feel about what I do in that capacity, because I do truly care about the nonprofit organizations that I work for and I want mm. them to be getting what they need. And, uh, and that's not always me. Right. And so, yeah. um, but because I am, I am honest about that. I think it's organically led to people feeling comfortable asking, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's wow. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, word of mouth and, and just, just networking. You know, I when I when I used to teach, actually, I still teach. I I, I teach a class, uh, you know, privately, um, once nice. a week. Um, 
I, I, I always taught, like, dude, network. Just say, hi, how's it going? I mean, like, Alan, hi, how's it going? I'm Alan yeah. Brockington. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's I, great. I, I, yeah. You know, because of that, you know, he is the hardest working man right now in yeah. the business here in San Diego. It's a long story I'll tell you later. But, uh, yeah, he, he everybody knows him. I, I took him to TJ. No lie. We went to TJ. It was the funniest thing ever. Uh, he went international. We shot a film. <laughs> when we came back, <clears throat> I got stopped by um, Border Patrol, and uh, you know the 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 the, uh, the the lady, the patrol officer. Uh, you can tell she was fairly new, mm -hmm. so she's like, "Oh, you don't have a passport. You just have your ID." I'm like, "Oh, great. You, okay, I, I see what you're gonna do." So I, 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 I said, okay, you know, um, hold on a second. I'm like, hey, Alan, they're going to take me really quick. And then Alan just, what? What? And I was like, that's my friend, Alan. We're, you know, he's with me. And then she looked at me and she felt like, oh, I'm the biggest asshole right now. I'm like, <laughs> Alan, do you want to come with us or do you want to wait outside? I'm like, like, please say something. He's like, I'll wait for you outside. I'm like, thanks, Alan. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> Throwing me under the bus, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so so I, I did that whole thing. Even the other guys were like, "Why are you making us do the extra work?" You know. So when I got out of uh, being detained, um, <laughs> I found Alan, and uh, he was at a distance. And every time I see him, I'm like, "Alan T." And he turns around, and all of a sudden, I hear these guys go, "Is that Alan Brockington?" Oh my god! And they, <laughs> random people like. Hey man, and he's like, "Hello," and he's like, "Oh, you probably we went to high school with you." And I'm like, "You are so popular, <laughs> everybody knows you." I do. I take him everywhere. Seriously, he's like my my to go to guy. And and I'm like, "Alan, we're gonna go here." Okay, he gets in the car. We drive, and they're like, "Hey, Alan." He's like, "Hi, how's it going?" I'm like, "How do you know this person?" <laughs> well, it is. It's you know. It that expression, I think, is sometimes used like in a negative sense, like it's who you know type of thing. But it's I look at it as kind of a positive, not like who am I going to schmooze up to so I can get stuff from them, you know, not like that's often how that expression is used. But yeah. more about like the more people you are are know and are comfortable with and and then the, the easier it is to say, oh, you're doing this and you're doing like it to connect people. Right. And yeah. sometimes that's you. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's somebody else. But um, and then the more interesting things you get to do, too. I think, you know what I was supposed to do? Actually, you would. Um, I was supposed to this summer um, before COVID hit. I was going to go teach with Joey for the summer and teach his oh. camp. And that would have been something completely new for me. I mean, it's not PR. It's, it's not so acting. much fun. <laughs> however, however, it's something that, you know, I was a lot of the skill set was acting and and um, but something completely different. And I and and I think being willing, meeting lots of new people and seeing what they do and seeing what speaks to you and everything does leave room for other opportunities to open up like that, too, where. Yeah, I would love to teach. I mean, I love. <laughs> so yes, let's go learn how to do that. You know, Alan has introduced me. <laughs> Alan has introduced me to more uh, individuals in the industry than anyone else in my entire life. It's interesting, and it's not. It's not like oh, you know, introduce me. It's like we just meet individuals and we just you know talking. 
and I'll I will leave and I'll be like, you know, how do you know them? Oh, I met them at the film. That's a, a director of this film. Oh, you know what I mean? I <laughs> just like I just met someone that's in the industry, and it's. I, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Like, and, he, just, and he probably does. He does he remember very well. Oh yeah. 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 Watch what you tell him. <laughs> That's right. It's haunted me. <laughs> well, you remember Four that time later. you said she was a. <laughs> <laughs> Allie and I told you not to repeat that. That was in Mexico. <laughs> oh man. Dude, uh, this such a such an awesome interview. This was fun. Um, it's really fun. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Th- thanks for doing this. I have I have one more question. One more question. <clears throat> um, when it's not a fair question, but in the in the near future, is there a performance that you'll be doing soon? Yeah. Well, the the next thing I'm doing is the Decameron Project, which is um, where writers in San Diego wrote a story about their experience with the pandemic. And then um, 10 of them will be performed. And that's right out loud. And is going to be working on that with the San Diego Public Library and Writers Inc., I believe. I hope I got it written. The La Jolla Historic Society. And so I'll be performing that and that will be filmed. Um, as far as a play is concerned, you know, like I said, the one I was going to do got put on hold during, um, COVID. So I hope that someday that comes back. That's, um, good people with David Lindsay, a bear, and that was going to be at Oceanside theater company. So, but I don't know as that would be a candidate for being filmed per se or not. So I don't know what the next performance, other than some of these readings and, um, that have come along the way, I'd be wide open to doing more film stuff, you know, cause that is opening up and I did a little bit of that since we've been shut down. And, mm-hmm. um, so we shall see. I'll well, let me know. Time. I'll, I'll definitely be there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, everybody have it. Susan here, uh, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>